It's day nine of COP26 and the official COP agenda today will be tackling the topics of gender, science and innovation. In honour of that, here at the UK CIF Leadership Podcast, we will be tackling UK leadership in gender diversity. It's Sally here and I'm delighted to be joined by Svati Pajari, a programme coordinator at Impact Investing Institute and founder of the Gender Lens Project. Hello, it's James and Sally here to let you all know about our podcast sponsor. This COP26 series of the UK CIF Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Lion Trust. We're delighted to have them involved. Lion Trust is a specialist fund management company that was founded in 1995. And as of July 2021, they had £34 billion in assets under management. Their aim is to have a positive impact on their investors, stakeholders and society. We're so pleased to have them on board for this series. Without the support of our partners, the podcast would not be able to happen. So without further interruption, let's get on with the episode. Svati, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sally, for having me here. Uh, So let's sort of start. why don't you tell me a bit about yourself and why you started the Gender Lens Project, if that's all right? Um, well, um, I tend to describe myself as a development and impact investment professional. Uh, I've worked in the impact investing space for about six years, initially in South Asia and now for almost two years here in the UK. Uh, my work in the UK has primarily been with the Impact Investing Institute. And uh, prior to entering the impact investing space, I worked in urban development uh, with a community-focused participatory planning approach. So I come into impact investing from a very non-financial perspective, you know, with a focus on social impact. And now more and more, we see the focus being more on the intersection between environmental and social impact. I, uh, well, I officially started Gender Lens Project earlier this year. This is a consulting startup with a focus on gender lens investing, but the idea of the firm was conceptualized last last year uh, when I had just finished my postgrad dissertation, which was well focused on operationalizing gender lens investing. Uh, for the dissertation, I'd studied the approaches of some of the DFIs in the 2X challenge at the time. So um, when sort of I follow from that, uh, Perhaps uh, for me, one of the most important reasons why I started Gender Lens Project was this idea of, you know, bringing my academic work into, well, the real world. Uh, and on top of that, uh, when I when I graduated from the LSE last year, I had access to a support structure from their entrepreneurship cell, which I think also gave me that extra bit of push that you need to, you know, sometimes start something. So that's, uh, that's kind of for at, at, a, at a personal level, that's uh, that's the reason why I started Gender Lens Project. Brilliant. I mean, it's a really exciting project. Uh, I suppose like it would be great to sort of touch upon what you saw in the finance industry that made it so important to you and sort of drove you to start this up. Uh, Like I said, when I entered the impact investing space about six years ago, uh, I was working in South Asia and I was working with an impact oriented investment manager. At the time, we were investing in and also accelerating enterprises in South Asia. Through that work, I had the opportunity to really work closely with SME founders and leaders. And, uh, you know, through time, what was absolutely 
uh, impossible to miss was uh, realizing that founders who had some sort of a disadvantaged background, uh, which would include but not you know limited to gender. Uh, so whether they had uh, whether their, their backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic background, or even you know where they came from. Um, so for those founders, it it tended to be that they took uh, either a lot longer uh, to scale up from being a micro enterprise, or they found it really challenging to access traditional forms of capital. Uh, which of course, raising capital is you know difficult for entrepreneurs in general, but if you were a woman entrepreneur, or let's say in the case of South Asia, you know, if you were a woman entrepreneur from a lower caste, then there were definitely uh, additional hurdles and, you know, years of disadvantage that went back generations for that matter, that absolutely did not level the playing field for you. So when I was working with these SMEs, these challenges were really visible. And on the other side of things, as an impact-oriented investment manager, we were also finding that if we wanted to build uh, an investment-ready pipeline that was impactful and diverse, we needed to make additional efforts. So to that end, we uh, worked with development partners uh, you know, who had the op- objective to drive this change, but uh, our financial system is uh, designed or it has evolved in such a way that these different pieces don't necessarily fit together. I think this uh, mismatch, this gap is absolutely recognized and I think it is recognized by the financial sector and more and more we see gender and diversity being a a bigger topic in the investment space. So uh, the challenge right now at least you know, at the frontier of gender lens investing is not really about making different stakeholders aware that there is a gap, but really about figuring out how to resolve this. Uh, so via the gender lens project, we're sort of trying to do our bit in the space where we see that there's definitely a you know, vital need for action. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And one of the wonderful things that we've sort of seen coming up over the past few years is a lot of different lenses, especially from investments. You know, we've um, spoken on previous sessions uh, to the LGBT lens uh, investing group and things like that. And so it'd be quite interesting to sort of cover what are the unique characteristics of gender lens investing? What sort of sets it apart? So um, gender lens investing is an approach of uh, deliberately integrating gender into investment decision-making processes. Uh, These are investments made with the explicit intent of creating a positive gender impact. And the approach can be applied across your entire portfolio. So it's not a separate asset class. It is an approach. Uh, What is really interesting about gender lens investing is that it can be really holistic. Uh, And there are several ways to look at this approach. So it's, it's not a single solution for every problem. For example, it's not only about investing in women entrepreneurs or in companies led by women, although that is definitely a part of it. Um, I think many people, investors included, tend to think of gender lens investing in a limited way as you know, investing in women entrepreneurs or in- investing in women-led yeah. companies. But uh, when you look at it holistically, there are several lenses that can be applied. And through each of these lens, uh, you can look at various stakeholders. So. Um, Let's take, for example, access to finance as a lens. Then uh, through that, we can look at, of course, women as entrepreneurs as a stakeholder group, but we can also look at women as asset owners and asset managers. We can look at the gender balance of uh, of these different uh, uh, 
groups in the in the access to finance uh, lens. Similarly, uh, with the lens of workplace equity, we can focus on the gender balance and uh, diversity of the workforce, which includes uh, people, uh, which includes employees in general, but also leadership and also includes, let's say, supply chains. The uh, products and services lens is about serving the unserved or underserved segments of the population as consumers. And finally, there is one stakeholder group that I think doesn't always get integrated, but it is really important. Uh, partly, this could be a function of the scale of investment. And, you know, the reason they're not always integrated in uh, could be uh, because of the scale of uh, investments. But that stakeholder group is the communities especially at uh, large scale investments. Um, investments tend to have a huge impact on communities. And what we find is uh, in a lot of community engagements, uh, women and people who are just not the local elites, their voices don't end up being heard in these community engagements. So uh, if you are as an investor applying a gender lens, you can really integrate these different components and create a very holistic approach. But you don't, again, you know, it's not, um, if we if we sort of look beyond stakeholder groups, there are uh, two highly relevant perspectives within gender lens investing, and both of these are you know with time slowly coming into discussions, uh, and these are uh, the the perspectives of intersectionality and the ingrained uh, institutional roadblocks in the investment industry. So uh, when we look at stakeholders in gender lens investing, we can't simply group them as you know homogeneous groups of men and homogeneous groups of women. There, this is where the intersectionality perspective comes in. It is. Um, acknowledging that multiple intersections of identity and disadvantages exist in society and therefore it is the intention to create positive impact across the different intersections. Uh, the institutional perspective speaks not just to asset owners and asset managers as stakeholders, uh, which we you know saw when we were discussing the stakeholder groups, but it also uh, speaks to the in, in, uh, speaks to the investment industry as a whole. Uh, beyond looking at gender impact of your portfolio, this perspective is also about looking intrinsically into your institutions and into the entire industry. Within the investment industry, there are roadblocks that are creating gendered impacts that are both in these in, uh, in these uh, organizations, the asset owners and asset management organizations, but also roadblocks in building a uh, gender diverse pipeline for uh, uh, for investment. I think that's really interesting. And if we sort of do just look at the investments, it- what does the data show? What are the benefits for investors? And then we can sort of come on to how it will be great to have more diversity within the industry itself and how that can drive investors sort of success forward as well. Uh, Well, first of all, what the data shows is that uh, overall, more women tend to be in unpaid, informal and low paying work. A McKinsey report from 2015 estimated that women perform 75% of the global unpaid work, and uh, that was valued at $10 trillion annually. Beyond, you know, I mean, this status quo is unequal. That's, you know, uh, beyond, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just is. Uh, But it is also a missed opportunity, right? And the same report also estimated that if women's economic uh, participation was uh, equivalent to men, then the world could become $28 trillion richer. Yes, yeah, so these 
you know these are uh, these are opportunities that uh, that we can see are uh, are just not being taken uh, and if we look at if we look specifically in the investment opportunity uh, uh, sorry if we look specifically in the investment space uh, data also so- shows us that companies with gender diverse leadership uh, tend to be underfunded, but they also tend to outperform in share prices and have faster exits. Uh, according to a report by Cambridge Associates in 2018, such companies tend to have a 10% higher revenue over five-year period. And another report by IFC uh, in 2017 shows that uh, these companies can have up to 20% higher IRR. There have also been studies that show that companies with uh, gender diversity initiatives tend to have lower staff turnover and higher employee satisfaction. If you have a gender diverse uh, or, you know, if you have a diverse value chain, uh, this can provide access to high quality products, uh, customer loyalty and decreased cost of procurement. The data we see in terms of benefits of gender balance and diversity, uh, what what we see is, you know, the data is limited but it is certainly positive. And um, well, if I go back to my earlier point about being about uh, missed opportunities, yeah. uh, beyond the return benefits for investors, there's also uh, the market opportunity of engaging with and providing services, providing products and services to the underserved and unserved populations. Um, I've heard or rather, you know, I've read stories of uh, black women entrepreneurs trying to raise finance for beauty product lines that are targeted at women with different skin tones and different hair types and finding it difficult to raise finance. But then there is a market for these products, you know. Similarly, um, in South Asia, uh, women are 38% less likely to own a mobile phone than men. This is, again, from the IFC report, uh, a data point from the IFC report, which is another market opportunity. These these examples, and, and we're just talking about, you know, a couple of these, but these examples are plenty, and these are simply real opportunities to bring products and services to populations who are basically paying customers that are not being served right now. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing that we need to sort of get across to the industry is, you know, you're you're not doing anyone a favor by taking on a gender lens <laughs> investment strategy. You know, you're it it's good business sense, right? Absolutely. Um so what can gender what can investors do right now to help drive gender diversity? Well, there is a lot investors can do. We we can all agree that you know capital has the power to make a difference. Uh, and I think for most parts, uh, for most part, uh, investors or stakeholders in the in the investment ecosystem are convinced that gender and diversity are important. Uh, and the question we're trying to answer right now is uh, well, how to do it right. So some of the steps that I think investors can take are well, firstly to uh, to assess where they stand at the moment both in their portfolios, but also within their institutions. The other thing, uh, the other really important thing to do is to be intentional. Uh, and perhaps this intentionality can you know, manifest in, in several ways. Uh, earlier, we discussed about the different range of stakeholders. So as an investor, your approach can be to focus on a specific lens or a specific group of stakeholders or to be holistic. Be clear about that, what you, you know, Think about it and be clear about how you want to approach it. You can also uh, set a defined uh, impact target that you want to achieve, and in doing so, define what metric uh, what metrics you will use to measure, manage, and report this impact. Uh, and I think another 
really vital thing investors can do uh, is to make an allocation to sort of have a carve out to invest with a gender lens and just get started in that journey. Um, but that being said, uh, it can be difficult for investors to take the first step and to make the awesome. first allocations. Um, so so what, what investors can do is look up for resources and support that is out there. I think one thing that can really be helpful for investors and asset managers is to look into the 2X Challenge and the 2X Collaborative Initiatives. And what is the 2X Challenge? So uh, the 2X Challenge is, well, it's a, it's a challenge that was put <laughs> together by uh, the G7 DFIs to mobilize capital towards gender lens investing. Mm-hmm. The original challenge, which was from 2018 to 2020, was uh, it had a target to mobilize $3 billion in alignment with the 2X criteria. The uh, 2X criteria are... Uh, in five different brackets, um, entrepreneurship, leadership, employment, consumption, and investment through financial intermediaries. And these different uh, criteria, they align with uh, the different stakeholder groups uh, that we discussed earlier. And they're also mapped to the GIN's IRIS Plus uh, impact framework, impact uh, measurement metrics. Uh, To be 2X aligned, an investment has to fulfill at least one of these criteria. At the end of 2020, the 2X challenge uh, actually outperformed its uh, original target and had mobilized more than double the original target amount. So now the new 2X challenge, which is for 2021 and 22, is to mobilize $15 billion uh, in alignment with the 2X criteria. That's fantastic. (laughs) And uh, well, going forward uh, this year, the 2X Collaborative was also launched. And this is a platform that is designed specifically for investors to support investors in making gender-focused investments. Uh, Together, the challenge and the collaborative, I think, are built in a way that uh, is fit for investors. So for example, the collaborative looks at different thematic areas and within these themes focuses on gender lens investing. So it's it's very aligned with how investors think could think and how investors could, uh, could approach gender lens investing. And if we sort of take a broader look at this, um, how is the UK doing on the gender lens from the investment to the actual internal financial systems um, yes, well, given that you know a large part of my study till date has been on DFIs and 2x challenge, uh, I think I can very confidently say that in the DFI perspective, the UK is definitely a key player. Uh, the CDC group, the, the UK's DFI, is a founding member of the 2x challenge and a founding member of the 2x collaborative. Uh, before that, uh, there was a uh, there, there was a gender finance collaborative uh, that was established uh, before the Twix Challenge, which was initially hosted by the CDC Group. So, you know, in terms of moving the market, there's definitely a key role that CDC Group has played. Um, earlier, I also mentioned the Twix criteria are aligned with Iris Plus metrics. And this exercise was done together by the Twix Challenge, the GIN and the CDC Group. Also, in terms of their own investments and policies, um, they've been very, uh, they've been both pioneering and transparent. One of the things they, they've created is this um, free to use gender toolkit that's accessible through their website, which is aimed towards investors and enterprises, and it has practical guidelines and steps to invest with a gender lens. 
Um, as an investor, they're also engaging with their portfolio companies to improve the gender performance of these companies. Um, well, that being said, there's no doubt that, you know, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, as we discussed earlier, there are roadblocks in the DFI space, in the investment industry in general. And uh, I think we definitely see intentions and we definitely see a lot of collaborative action, but uh, gender equality objectives really about outcome equality. And uh, right now, especially following last year, we see that gender gaps have widened. So achieving outcome equality or, you know, even getting closer to achieving outcome equality will definitely need a lot more, it will definitely need a lot more effort. And, uh, well, hopefully the UK will continue to play a pioneering role in this space. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Fatih. I think we're actually at the end of our time, but this has been such a great discussion. Um, I, I know I've learned a lot and I uh, know the listener will have too. Um Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. A big thank you also to our sponsor, Lion Trust. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tune in to our other episodes from throughout COP26. And you can find us on Twitter at UKSIF. Thank you very much, Swati. Thank you, Sally.